1: yours. Hope you're having a great Wednesday, March 29th, the year 2023, 63 degrees under mostly cloudy skies today. God, we were a low of 54, had a little cold streak coming through. There you go. There you go. We've got a busy, busy show planned for you and yours, so let's not waste any time let me introduce my partner in crime and in the producers chair James Mesh who's spinning the tunes pushing all the buttons inside the Fco development Studios. Fco development is a civil construction company that specializes in multi-family. Construction. It's on the campus of Delta Media, which is where you'll find KLWB, which is 1037 Lafayette. We're also on KLCJ 1041 in Lake Charles, streaming around the world, 1037thegame.com, 1041thegame.com. And if you're in the Acadiana area, you can pop your television on because we're also simulcast on Stadium 32.3 and 133 on LUS Fiber.
0: Did you miss the headlines of the day? Not to worry. The Blonde Bomber has you covered. Here is Holtberg's headlines.
1: The you women's basketball team is in Dallas. They're getting all their work in. They're getting all their interviews in as a welcome audience. Uh, all the pomp and circumstance that goes along with the Final Four. And with that, an announcement that RP3 and company is heading to be D- Big D for the NCAA Women's Final Four. Raymond will be broadcasting live from downtown Dallas. We'll get you prepared as Kim Mulkey's team looks to move on to the national championship game. RP3's road trip to Dallas is presented by Bailey's Cigar Room. It's basically a pick a matchup between LSU and Virginia Tech. So off we go. The New Orleans Pelicans had a 20-point lead at one point in time over the Golden State Warriors. Draymond Green went a little crazy, got his team fired up, got the fans fired up. The Warriors came out and outscored the Pels by 13 in the third, by 15 in the fourth as they shot a blistering 52% from the field. They made 18 of 43s for 45%. 11 steals helped lead the way as well, and the Warriors bounced back to win at 120 to 109 behind a 39 point performance from Steph. Curry. So now, with seven games left in the regular season, the Pelicans are at five hundred thirty-eight up, thirty-eight down. They're in the eighth seed in the Western Conference playoffs, a half a game ahead of the ninth-seeded LA Lakers, one full game ahead of the tenth-seed Oklahoma City Thunder, and the eleventh-seed Dallas Mavericks. Up next, oh God. The Denver Nuggets in Denver. Ah, okay. We'll, we'll have much more on last night's game coming up with our Pelicans insider, Chris Dotson here in about nine or 10 minutes. LSU baseball took care of another midweek opponent, got taken care of business with a 17 to five run rule win over grambling. Um, it just it, It's just a total mismatch, and to LSU's credit, despite the fact that they trailed 3-2 to two in the third, um, LSU took care of business and quickly erupted for five runs in the third and blew the game open in the fourth with eight runs on six hits and a pair of costly, grambling errors. Tigers collected 16 hits on the night, Cade Beloso went two for three with a homer and four RBIs. Dylan Cruz went two for two and extended his hitting streak to 23 games. LSU was able to give five pictures some valuable time on the mound without extending any for more than two innings, which will bode well for LSU's bullpen depth. Heading into this big top ten matchup starting Thursday, Against baseball, college baseball's biggest villain, the Tennessee Volunteers, beginning Thursday. Leah Van covers LSU baseball for the Advocates. She'll join us at around two thirty this afternoon. Did you were you aware that Major League Baseball's opening day is tomorrow? It's tomorrow. It is at three o'clock. Chandler Rome, who covers the Houston Astros for the. Houston Chronicle will join us and tell us, yeah, uh, Jose Altuve is going to be out for a couple of months. Justin Verlander's pitching for another ball club. What about the Astros? Who's going to fill those voids? We'll talk to Chandler Rome about that. And the Men's Final Four and the Women's Final Four, of course, will take place. The women on Friday and Sunday. The men on Saturday and Monday. We will talk all college hoops with our good friend Michael Huguenin on Hump Day with Huguenin coming up uh, starting at around 3.15 this afternoon. So uh, buckle up sit back and relax and enjoy because, um, it's going to be a fun show. Lots of good, good guests today. Um, the new England Patriots will not pursue Lamar Jackson despite the quarterback's interest. He'd be a perfect fit there. He, he, he'd be perfect. Um, but no, apparently the Patriots, um, will not be interested. So Robert Kraft said those kind of decisions are up to head coach Bill Belichick. And apparently Belichick isn't interested as the Patriots are not going to pursue Jackson, despite his interest in coming to new England, according to the bleak shirt report. Um, Jackson has not confirmed where he wants to go, but has said that the Ravens are not interested in meeting his value. And he wants a team that Will. So I don't blame him. Why not? Why not? Um, Pelicans lose high school All-American game was last night. We saw a couple of uh, LSU players in the future for Kim Mulkey uh, suited up and played pretty well Uh, with Mulkey going back to Texas billboards, celebrating LSU women's basketball team are easy to find along the way. um, As the Tigers make their trek to Dallas. And I don't know what the reasoning is. Um, but they're going to have billboards put up in Waco, Waco. That will feature Kim Mulkey and several LSU players heading to the final four. Waco, of course, is the home of Baylor University, where Mulkey served 21 seasons as the Bears head coach. She went 632 wins, 104 losses, with three national titles during her time in Waco, which is located about 95 miles down Interstate 35 from dallas now kim still has a lot of friends in waco but she has made some enemies along the way because she hurt some feelings in waco when she left town and um so it'll be interesting to see uh, what happens to those billboards in the city of waco i don't know why lsu decided to put them there but they did i don't know if that is out of respect to kim and um her head coaching uh, plaudits when she was there or some would construe that as a slap in the face to Baylor university. Who cares? Who cares? Lamar advertising, the billboard company is uh, is reaping the benefits and making the money off of that. So good for them. It's got, it's got, she's got a little sense of humor, a little bit of a sense of humor, putting them up in there in Waco. Huh? put him in Waco. Um it didn't take long for the New Orleans Saints um in free agency to address the running back room. They signed free agent Jamal Williams, right? Um Dennis Allen said he got a text from an old colleague. He said, as soon as we signed him, Lions head coach, Dan Campbell was the first person I got a text from. It's pretty cool to see some of the texts you get about a player. And it speaks to how they felt about him and the type of guy you're acquiring. So, uh, Williams, one of the bigger additions the Saints made to their club in the first wave of free agency, signed a three year, $12 million contract after rushing for 1,066 yards and an NFL best 17 touchdowns for the Lions last year. Um, so they both spoke about Williams as sort of an ideal complement to Alvin Kamara with his physical run style. So, a very important position. Uh, upgrading the running back room was a big priority for the saints this offseason season, because who knows what's going to happen with Kamara and his legal issues. Uh, you just don't know how long he's going to suffer some type of p- discipline from the league. Just don't know for how long. So you had to have somebody there. Um, the only other running backs on the roster prior to getting Williams were Eno Benjamin, and Derek Gore, never heard of either one of them. Never heard of either one of them. So that was a huge, huge, huge addition. Okay, um, that's enough of the headlines for the day. Here's our guest list again. Chris Dotson, Pelicans Insider, coming up. Leah Van previewing LSU Tennessee after that. Hour number two, Chandler Rome. Astros, can they repeat again? Opening day tomorrow. And then Mike Huguenin on the men's and the women's final four. Not a bad lineup for a Wednesday, March 29th. So let's take our first time out and get this bad boy started next.
0: This is the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros.
1: If you want to see the defending champs in person, you're in luck because the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles wants to hook you up with our first Astros weekend getaway of the season. Houston takes on the Texas Rangers on Saturday, April 15th, and you can be there. Register in the Game Awards Club at 1037thegame.com to score four tickets, a tour of Minute Maid Park, and hotel accommodations that Saturday night. Astros weekend getaways are powered by Bookshire AC, Le Meridian Houston Downtown, and the game southwest louisiana's sports station
0: tune in every weekday at 8 15 a.m and 3 15 p.m for the lsu sports update presented by tips trailers here on the game 1037 lafayette and 1041 lake charles southwest louisiana's sports station
1: Hi, welcome back. As we begin this uh, Wednesday edition, we start off in the NBA last night. The Pels with a 20-point lead at one point in the first half, and then the juggernaut at chase, the Golden State Warriors just caught on fire. The Pels could not respond and answer in kind, and the Pels fall 120-109. to We have a new member of our family Chris Dotson, a Pelican Scoop, our new newest Pelican insider, joins us, and we're thrilled to have him. He does great, great work um, following him at at DoingItDotson, D-O-D-S-O-N. Hey, Chris, I, I greatly appreciate the time, and welcome to the show, man. How are you? Oh, I'm doing great. Thanks for
2: inviting me on. Long-time listener going around. I've been covering the team for a while. Started with Forbes, now over at SI's Pelican Scoop. And, uh, yeah, love to branch out and talk more hoops with uh, more of the people around here in the South Louisiana region.
1: Well, that's terrific. Boy, it was such a significant game. And what a great start it was. How much significance do you give to the antics of Draymond Green and um, seem to really light a fire under not only his team, but his uh, the fan base and everything?
2: Right. And, and I'm writing up something now looking at Draymond. I put it on the Pelicans not responding right because that happened yes. with three half minutes left to go in the first half. The whole Golden State Warrior locker room come out with Draymond Green's energy, went on an 8-0 run. The Pelicans come out, didn't really play for team basketball. They didn't. They, they were playing for themselves. And then, what, six, seven minutes in, CJ lowers his shoulder and goes and gives them a five-point swing. That speaks to just the attitude and the way this team responds with the mental adversity. So I don't put that on Draymond. That's just Draymond being Draymond. You've got to know that's going to happen when you get on the plane to go to that game. The Pelicans did not make the adjustments and respond right last night.
1: And I think it all was encapsulated in one play, and that was the first play coming out of the locker room to start the third period. Uh, Steph Curry takes a three and misses it. There's two Pels under the goal. They don't look around, and here comes Dante DiVincenzo, the smallest guy on the court. He gets the offensive rebound and slams it in, and all of a sudden you went, "Uh uh-oh. And you're right. They took a punch, and they never responded from that point on. Right.
2: Again, it was an 8-0 run, 10-2. It just kept kind of building like that. And if you look at Brandon Ingram on that play, he's strolling up like like my grandma strolls up to the register at the grocery store. You know what I mean? He wasn't even fighting for position. He was inside the restricted area and just waiting for the ball to fall to him. And that's something you can't do in any NBA game, much less if you're playing with a stake this team wants to play for. That's just not the effort you need to see. And it's something we've seen Brandon Ingham do a few times now in the last month. That's something he's going to have to focus on is just really being on the rebounds, have to clear the board, do it with the force that Willie Green's always talking about
1: seven games left in the regular season starting with uh Denver in Denver on Thursday. The Pels are 38 and 38. They play every team now. The rest of the way is a team that is uh, uh in the playoffs uh as we speak. Uh boy, they've got a tough tough schedule. What what uh what are your feelings about the Pels and their ability to right now in the eighth place can can they withstand? Can they stay there? How do you feel about their chances
2: i think last night really cost them a chance to get the sixth seed and now they're just playing that seventh seed to to at least get two home games if you have to play through two elimination games but the way it's going to play out you're hoping a few teams are going to rest but none of the teams on the schedule really have a reason to rest they're all fighting for the second or third seed. they're battling for position the knicks really want to avoid philadelphia so i don't think they'll be sitting josh hart next week when they come to town The Pelicans really cost themselves. But two wins, you at least get the eighth or ninth. Three wins, I think, pretty much guarantees you the seventh or eighth. Four wins, just just protect your home court, and you'll have that seven-eighth game in the Smoothie King Center.
1: Okay. Um, It is the wild, wild west. If you had to pick a team right now, um, Kevin Durant, supposed to make his uh, home appearance for the Phoenix Suns when when he was there playing. uh, I think it was three total games. He and Devin Booker and Chris Paul, that's a really good offense. Um, Who is your favorite coming out of the west?
2: I, I, you got you got to give it to Phoenix. If they figure it out, there's no better big three out there. I think Jokic is really going to have a problem getting out of the second round again. There's going to be a lot of questions up in Denver. And I like Memphis. If Memphis gets the right draw, if perhaps New Orleans and Memphis meet, they win that 7-8 game and Memphis goes on a run, they'll avoid a few teams. They it, Man, it, it, it would be a heck of a turnaround for their storyline and the narrative coming out of Memphis considering everything they went through this season, uh, you know, just with off-the-court drama.
1: Here's a chance for Denver, Memphis, and Sacramento to really make a statement. But it appears, you know, LeBron James went to the LeBron James foot doctor, and he's back. Um, the Golden State Warriors are back. They're at 40 and 37. Phoenix has Durant. All these teams with all these veteran playoff um mindsets are at the bottom, and all these upstarts and up and comers are at the top. I just think the Warriors and the and the Suns and the Lakers smell blood in the water. That's the that's the impression I get here.
2: Yeah, the bottom half of your bracket is going to have Steph, Luca, LeBron, you know, Katie, it, Kawhi, some of those. Zion, yeah. if he comes back, the bottom half of this bracket is amazing. But I don't put too much stock in the Kings. I really wanted the sixty for the Pelicans. The Kings kind of remind me of some regular season paper champs, They're an eighty-two game team, yeah, not a sixteen game team. Kind of like the Atlanta Hawks were. Back when we had Kyle Corver and that was right. The-
1: they, they don't play defense they can't stop anybody so um, I think every no one's scared of Sacramento um, I think everybody sees chinks in the armor for Denver and Memphis but but we shall see uh, like I said it's a chance for those three teams to to silence everybody if they play and play well what chances with seven games left do you give any chance of Zion Williamson returning and what have you heard I know he's doing some work now uh, what have have you heard, and what do you speculate?
2: what I've heard is a lot of what the team has said. Updates are coming coming this week. We heard last night on TNT with Chris Haynes saying that Zion actually got after the team after that Lakers loss, and then again, you know, just hearing that that Rockets loss was pretty ugly the other week too. Yeah, Zion was upset about it. But him being that engaged tells me that he's still hearing, he's still believing he can be back this season. And if you want to judge anything, go by what Zion's body language is telling you. Right now, he's telling you he's invested, which tells me that that there has to be a chance. And why not hold out hope? Life's too short to not have that hope to see Zion play basketball again this season.
1: Um, Back to last night's game, and we're talking with Chris Dotson, and we're thrilled to have him uh, on as one of our uh, newest Pelican insiders. We love that. Um, hopefully we will be in the playoffs and we'll be able a chance to talk uh, often uh, about this. Willie Green during the after, after the dream on green fracas said, look, we got to have each other's back. We're going to have each other's back, but we have to keep our poise at this level, which was way up high. Um, green has a way of getting in your head. And if you're not careful, you start looking at him and thinking about him rather than doing your job did you think the pelicans were affected by that in any way shape or form
2: yeah oh, i think it got ever it got under some people's skin definitely cj because the way cj lashed out i think it actually yeah. affected Billy really green especially with the energy his team did not come out with in the locker room i think he was upset you could tell that just by his body language by the post-game press conference being in there with him those you could tell it was just not what he wanted to see But in that fourth quarter, Larry Nance Jr., Najee Marshall, and uh, Josh Richardson had four more shots than the big three of Trey, CJ, and B.I. I think the Mm -hmm. coaching staff let it get on their skin, too, because, you know, Willie, he he was under Steve, he was under Kerr, and it was kind of a master class, and the master's still showing the student, you got some things to learn, and that kind of distracted some focus, in my opinion.
1: I'm with you. Let's look at the remainder of the schedule. We know that uh, tomorrow the Pelicans have to play against Denver. Denver's got a three-game lead in the West. Um, So I'm sure they're going to play everybody they've got. Uh, That's going to be a very, very difficult task. It, It always is. You're playing in that altitude. You're still out on the road. It's the getaway game. What chances do you give the Pels against the Nuggets?
2: I mean, they've got a fighting chance. They've got a puncher's chance. But if you want to play like some Game of Thrones and start looking ahead, if you go to Denver and you get down 15 points, pull the starters, let them rest. That altitude can really kill your legs. Most of the other teams that the Pelicans are fighting for for these playing spots, they don't have to go to Denver. So bring them home. Get ready for that home stand. And, and, you know, because if Denver gets four or five games up on Memphis, now Memphis might rest, and you get a little bit of help. So you really have to go into that game looking not only – to come out with a win, but maybe start looking ahead if things
1: get out of hand. I'm with you 100%. And then you said if, if the Pels can win three games, they're, they're in, right? So you've got the Clippers at home, the Kings at home, the Grizzlies at home, the Knicks at home. Of those four, give me your thoughts.
2: You got to hope the Grizzlies are resting players, especially if Denver's out of pace for them. Same thing for right. the Knicks. That's two games you've got to win. The Clippers, you've already beaten the Clippers a couple of times. This is at home. Why not go 4-0? If you can't go 4-0 here, right. you guarantee yourself another home game. You're really going into Minnesota looking for help no matter what you do in Minnesota. And that's, that's just – you would rather know on that last day what you're playing for and not
1: have so many things up in the air. I like the chances against the Kings. I like their chances against the Knicks. The Grizzlies are pretty tough. Clippers – mm I think that I think the Pels can win three of the next five. I really do.
2: Three of the next five sounds good to pretty much everybody in that building, I'm sure.
1: <laughs> and then you close out things against I, I think a team that's really on the rise, uh Minnesota uh Carl Anthony Towns is back. Edwards is there. I, that's a pretty darn good team. So of the of the six remaining games, I think three and three would be just uh just about right, I think.
2: Right, and the only reason I'm worried about that Kings game is, again, their paper champs, 82 games. They just beat the Pelicans without De'Aaron Fox. So if they come in here and they still want to get into the playoff groove, that's one of them games where the Pelicans can have one of those nights in the Smoothie King Center. It just kind of stinks up the joint.
1: Chris Dotson, let's do it again, man. Thank you so much for your time, and uh, I appreciate it.
2: Likewise. Appreciate you. Y'all have a good uh, rest of the week. Can't wait to see these games.
1: We'll do so. All right. We'll take a quick time out here. When we come back, we'll shift gears from the hardwood to the diamond. LSU wins last night. That's expected. The bad boys are coming into town. We'll talk with Leah Van next.
0: This is the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 103.7 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros.
1: We're brought to each and every day by Shoprite Tobacco Plus Discount Outlets. If you can't shop right at Shoprite, you just can't shop right at all. By Ducks, cleaning America's air from the inside out. By Eon, the premier touchless robotic laser body contouring device that helps you lose those unwanted inches along with permanent fat reduction. Eon located in Lafayette, Baton Rouge, and Mandeville. By Louisiana Lottery, you can't win until you start playing by D.C.'s Little Capital Exxon with their true soul food deli tucked away in the corner, home of the best cheeseburger ever. And by Cajun Chef. Oh, do yourself a flavor. Turn up the taste with Cajun Chef Hot Sauce.
0: This is the Jordy Holtberg Show, live from the Evco Development Studios in Upper Lafayette on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station.
1: We're back 35 minutes after the hour. LSU baseball took care of business last night, as expected against Grambling State University. Now Tennessee comes to town. Those guys that are wearing the uh, the villain hat. Um, and I've tried forever and finally thrilled to have her, a native Texan and a sportswoman who is the LSU baseball beat writer, Leah Van. Leah, long time no. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you doing? I'm good. You must if you're a, if you're a sportswoman and you're a native Texan, I mean the women's final four is in Dallas, the men's final four in Houston. I mean Dallas. Who says it's not a basketball world? Come on.
3: <laughs> that like nickname actually just comes from like I was walking down the street uh, this summer when I was in Israel and this woman like pointed at me. She goes, "You sportswoman." And I was just like, well, I mean, she's not wrong.
0: She's accurate. Um,
3: yeah, it was hilarious. But yeah, I mean, it's super exciting time to, I guess, if you live in either metroplex in Texas. I mean, I'm a DFW gal, so I'm partial to Dallas. There you go. And excited to oh, there see you how uh, LSU does there.
1: Well, tell me this: How did you become a sportswoman? Tell me your background a little bit.
3: Oh my gosh! Well, I don't know how long your radio segment is, but um,
1: <laughs> well, give me the yeah, cliff I mean, notes version.
3: Well, um, so I actually grew up a football fan, um, and live I lived in I lived in this town where it was obsessed with high school football and uh, okay. Alito and we had like the number one recruit in the nation at running back at the, at the time when I was in high school and. I ended up getting diagnosed with cancer at age 15 and he would come and visit me in the hospital. And so eventually Mm. Sports Illustrated found out about it and they wrote a story about the two of us. And so it was this heartwarming sports story. And I thought, I want to write stories like that someday. Uh, But I went to college like thinking I was going to be in medical school, go to medical school, as a lot of cancer survivors do. And um, I decided, no, I really like working for the school paper. And so I kind of just took my biology degree and bet on myself and like started working at a small town newspaper up in Iowa. And from there I went to a newspaper in Colorado and worked as a sports photographer also. And then I went to grad school, got my master's in journalism at Northwestern University in Chicago. And then I worked and covered, I went back to Iowa a second time, but a different part to cover the Iowa Hawkeyes. It was the first power five football team I've covered. And then I got the job to, down here so that's how i basically have ended up here
1: what a fabulous fabulous story what a great lesson so many kids get ready (laughs) to go to college I don't know what I want to do well guess what nobody knows what they're going to do and where they what road they're going to take and what path but what a great story compared to all the other cities that you work what's it like being in Baton Rouge and covering things for LSU
3: I mean, it's amazing. It's definitely the most eyes I've ever seen, like, you know, the most people that have read my stuff, and, you know, uh-huh. people are very passionate, and they also, like, I, I tell people all the time, they actually know the sport very well, the sports that you yeah. cover. I mean, they know how gymnastics scoring works. They know how baseball works. They know football works. You know, they know the intricate details. Like, they want to know who the starting, like, left guard is on the football team, <laughs> And you know they want to know who like who's coming in on relief, like 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 in out of the bullpen. And you know they actually know the sport very well, as like a lot of other fan bases. Like they kind of think they know the sport, but I feel like a lot of LSU fans are very in tune with not only the sport itself, but like the history of their team. And they read absolutely everything you write, yes. so it does <laughs> it does like hold me accountable and um, mm-hmm. definitely makes mm-hmm. you know brings me to a new level.
1: Yeah, it's going to make you a better writer, better reporter. There's no qu- the pressure's on. Uh, I can, you know, I see what happens during the game, and I like to hear the stories behind the stories. This seems like a really close, tight, fun. Of course, winning always makes it fun, but this seems like a really together baseball team. You cover them every day. Do you? Am I accurate there? Is that the sense that you get? Yeah, I think a
3: lot of people at the beginning of the year were like, are they overhyped? You know, is this like a, you know, are they going to be an overrated team that we learned about? And I was like, I don't think mm-hmm. so. But, you know, you just like by the sheer amount of talent I mean, you've got first rounders on like, you know, Dylan Cruz and Paul Skeens, and then you've got the next level, Tommy White, Thatcher Hurd. and. Uh, you know, everybody in between is also going to probably end up with a, you know, professional career. So mm-hmm. they are very together. They're, they all say that this is the closest they have ever been, but I feel like a lot of teams say that. But I think you can actually see it just by the way they carry themselves through warmups and team huddles and just, like, the way that they act around each other. You never see two of the same guys always hanging out with just each other. Like, they're all just kind of hanging out with everybody. Hmm. You'll see a senior with a true freshman, you know, it's like yeah. – and to have somebody like Brady Neal, a true freshman, you know, being a starting catcher, I think that speaks to, you know, how they're all able to kind of blend together.
1: We all know the headliners, Dylan Cruz. If he continues the road that he's going down, he'll be regarded as the greatest LSU baseball player ever and deservedly so. Skeens, they may have the top two picks in the draft, but who's that Who's that guy that doesn't get all the attention that you think because of one, his performance on the field two how he handles things in the dugout and just being a good guy, who is that unsung hero you think on this team?
3: I think you have to say Gavin Dugas. I mean, but he's, he kind of purposely keeps it that way. He doesn't like to talk about himself. He always like talks about the team, but you know, at the beginning of the year, he was definitely, he was leading the team in home runs and He's always an aggressive at-bat, the plate, um, and he's also taken on that second-base position very, very well. And, um, you know, that was a position that was up for grabs and that I don't mm-hmm. think anybody really expected him to take. So um, defensively, LSU has improved. They have the top fielding percentage in the nation. So not only yeah. do you have the best pitcher in the nation, but that also, you know, means that you're going to you have the best defense, which is a lot of different from what we saw last year. So I think Gavin Dugas is that unsung hero.
1: Are you concerned at all after um, Paul Skeens? Are you concerned about uh, the pitching staff from there on down? Or what, what What do you think of that group?
3: No, I think that they're only getting stronger with, like, the more appearances the more innings that they they get under their belt. I mean, you see the freshmen like Chase Shores and Griffin Herring have only gotten better with each appearance as they gain more command, they get more confidence, mm-hmm. they face tougher hitters, they face, and they get up in front of crowds and they kind of, you know, get acclimated to everything. Um, I think, you know, Thatcher Hurt has taken a little bit longer to come by, but I think that once he gets his command and under control, then he'll be able to dominate the way that he's expected to. I mean, he was a very good pitcher at UCLA, but pitching in the SEC is a different ballgame. But I know that he was a very highly talented recruit out of high school. I talked to a scout today that said they're like, you know, I have all the confidence that he'll get his stuff together and then um you know Garrett Edwards i think has been dominant out of the bullpen and he's been kind of the story of the season and um i think you know if you have that guy coming in maybe one to two games per series i mean i don't see i don't see other teams having a lot of success offensively
1: Baseball's biggest villain in college, the Tennessee Volunteers, coming. Do, do you sense in talking to the players and the opportunity that you get to talk to them prior to the series starting? Do you sense um, a little bit more juice going into this one?
3: Um. Yeah. I mean, they're always going to tell you, like, oh, it's about the next game. But you could tell. Like, Paul Steens is like, this is, like, one of the matches that you come to LSU for. This yeah. is one that, uh-huh. like, you're – you know, we've all been thinking about, we've all been excited about. So I think it's going to be something they also know that because Tennessee's coming in town, like the box is going to be absolutely electric. Like the fans are going to be crazy. It's going to be loud. It's going to be fun. So I think they're all like looking forward to it and they definitely want to, you know, take home a win um, right in their home turf.
1: Don't you love the approach that Jake Johnson takes with this club? I mean, he he's always on the positive side. He's always giving them affirmation. Um, it's not easy when you have a that much talent to keep them happy, and I, and they seem to be happy as long as they're winning. Um, but the job he's done so far is pretty remarkable in my books.
3: Yeah, I think Jay emphasizes the importance of being selfless, and I think that's a huge part of his coaching uh, mantra. And You know, he's allowed different guys to come in. You know, he puts a guy like Cade Beloso in the lineup every once in a while. He puts Josh Pearson in the lineup for SEC play. And then, you know, everybody kind of gets their turn to contribute, to feel special, to feel like they're a part of the team. But also, when they're not contributing, he will tell them why and he will tell them, like, how to keep working at it and how to, you know, crack that lineup. Or, you know, he really believes in everybody. So, um, yeah, he is a big big believer in putting confidence in his players, but also being very honest.
1: I've got to ask you this. Um, you, you mentioned that you went uh, back to Iowa for a second time and you covered Iowa football. I, I've mm-hmm. got to ask you what that, and and it, I know it's near and dear to your heart because uh, if I'm correct, at the end of every first quarter, you um, the players, the fans all stand up in Kinnick Stadium turn to wave to the Hawkeyes Children's Hospital. How cool is that?
3: Yeah, that was um, um, that was huge um to be a part of that and to I mean, we even did it in the press box too. I mean, it was just it's a very moving moment, and you know it seems kind of cheesy and Iowa is kind of a cheesy place um. <laughs> but um, it really is meaningful because they have like a kid cap in every game, and you know you've seen like the top, the top floor has some of the, some patients like who can actually watch the game from there, which yeah. is super cool, just super unique. So I love the tradition. I think it's very special, especially as someone who's a former cancer patient, like Absolutely. that would have been an opportunity I would have totally taken advantage of had I been in that situation. Mm-hmm
1: man that's uh what what a great story and what a great uh story you are i had no idea but that's why i asked so i can learn something new uh every day and i have uh the utmost of respect even more so uh for you not not because of your work but because of uh your perseverance and your approach and uh God, the sky's the limit. I hope we get to keep you down in Baton Rouge for a while before you move on to even bigger and better. So what's the ultimate dream for you? Is is it covering the NFL or do you like do you like the college ranks?
3: Yeah. Um, that's something I've kind of like, you know, I kinda of got here and I'm like, oh, I don't know what's next. You know, I kind of you don't wanna like you know, you work so hard to get to like sure. covering SEC football and baseball. You kinda of, you kind of like, okay, I'm going to put this in the back burner. But I do want to get to covering sports on the professional level, whether that be the NFL or the MLB. I think those two leagues are what appeal to me right now in this moment. Um, you know, I like college sports, but I think that, The recruiting side I don't really love. Um, Mm -hmm. (laughs) Just as, like, a Mm -hmm. 27-year-old woman, I just think it's awkward to send direct messages to 18-year-old boys like, hey, are you coming to LLSU? You know, like, (laughs) it's from a professional standpoint, but it is kind of, like, uncomfortable. So um, I'd like to deal with people who are a little bit older.
1: <laughs> I was, I was, I, I I was a basketball player at LSU and I was a coach at LSU. And I found it very difficult to tell, uh, at a young age to myself, tell a 17, 18 year old kid, you're the greatest thing since sliced bread. Cause that's what they need to hear to get them to come to your school. So I found it very difficult and I didn't like it at all. Thus I got into the broadcasting world and the rest is history, but, um, I can't thank you enough, uh, long overdue, but I appreciate the, uh, the opportunity to get you on and uh, you were terrific and continued success to you and enjoy the atmosphere that is uh alec box stadium because it's going to be fun starting thursday night
3: absolutely thanks for having me
1: All right. That's Leah Van. I highly advise that you pick up The Advocate and you read it. She does a great job covering LSU baseball this time of the year. Uh, We'll take a quick time out here. We'll come back. We'll wrap up our number one. We got a busy hour number two set for you. We'll tell you all about it next.
0: This is the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros.
1: It is crawfish time. Hallelujah. And the game 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles is giving you a chance to win everything you need to throw the ultimate crawfish boil party. It's the game's ultimate crawfish boil giveaway. Cooked up by St. Landry Lumber. Cody's Crawfish, and Iron Horse Sales and Service. Go register in the Game Rewards Club at 1037thegame.com to score a $500 Visa gift card, a boiling pot, burner, paddle, ice chest, tumblers, chairs, and two giant sacks of live crawfish. Plus, we're throwing in a pair of Astros tickets. So enter now. It's the ultimate crawfish boil giveaway cooked up by St. Landry Lumber cody's crawfish iron horse sales and service and the game
0: don't agree with what jordy has to say not to worry he's always open to a healthy debate well dean i'm, I'm glad that you asked that actually question. i'd like to
1: jump in and take that one jimmy if you don't
0: mind have yeah, at it, Give us a call on the hotline at 337 706 0111. Now, back to more of the Jordy Holtberg Show on the game 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station.
1: And we are back and it is uh, about 53 minutes after the hour we had uh, Alex Myers on earlier in the week talking about Sam Burns winning and David Toms winning and the fact that the the Masters is coming up. Uh, A week from tomorrow, and the ongoing battle between the PGA Tour and the Breakaway Live Golf League continues. It's one of the biggest storylines in men's professional golf, but past Masters champions Patrick Reed and Bubba Watson insist – insist it won't be a distraction at Augusta National Golf Club next week. So um, Reed said today that the first major championship of the season won't be about the competing circuits. Um, Well, we'll see. We'll see. There are eighteen players in the eighty-nine man field from the Live Golf League, including four other past champions: Dustin Johnson, Sergio Garcia, Phil Mickelson, and Charles Schwartzel. So we'll see. Reed won the Green Jacket in twenty eighteen. Um, so uh, it'll be it'll be dramatic for sure. It'll be interesting to see what the the fan base has to say um, with it. Uh, Bubba Watson said, I'm going to be honest, it's only awkward in the media. He said, I've talked to people that are going to be there. I'm going to sign up with Jason Day and Cameron Young in the par three. Some guys have already asked me to play some practice rounds. Media is the only one that is pushing it. He says, I have nothing against anybody. If you change jobs, I'm not mad at you. If you start reporting for somebody else, hey, man, it's a better decision for you and your family. Have at it. Um, So. Uh, we'll see. And then you have others like Brooks Kepka and Justin Thomas and Rory McIlroy, who are very adamant and very vocal about, uh, being critics of live golf. So again, we'll see the best of the best will be there. And, uh, we'll see what happens. Mark Madsen, former NBA player Um, Utah Valley's head coach, who just got beat in the NIT semifinals by UAB in overtime. 88-86 has left, and the former Stanford star and NBA veteran is going to be Cal's next head coach. So good for him. Um, Mark Madsen in the NBA. Coming up, hour number two, Major League Baseball. Opening day is tomorrow we'll get a live report from Houston Astro beat writer Chandler Rome about the Astros chances no Verlander Altuve's out for a, for a while with the the World Classic uh injury so we'll talk about that who's stepping up and who's filling in and then Mike huganin of onfree.com will help us preview the men's final 4 and the women's final 4 LSU and the, the The women's team is in Dallas. They left yesterday afternoon. Good crowd on hand to send them off. uh, And they're going. And they're getting ready to take on the number one seed and uh, one of the number one seeds in Virginia Tech. Of course, the other matchup is number one seeded South Carolina taking on the best player in basketball collegiately in Caitlin Clark. So, that's all coming your way. Hour number two, the Jordy Helpert Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. You're home for the LSU Tigers and World Series champion, Houston Astros.
0: Live and local, this is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Open for the end zone. It's a Saints touchdown. It's time for two hours of the best sports talk on the airwaves. Here's your host, the Blonde Bomber, Jordy Holtberg.
1: Our number two of two, and away we go. Major League Baseball gets underway tomorrow. The Houston Astros open up at home inside Minute Maid Park against the Chicago White Sox. But first, my main man, James Mesh back in the producer's chair inside the FCO Development Studios. FCO Development is a civil construction company that specializes in multifamily construction. Um, he's on the campus of Delta Media, which is where you'll find klwb which is 1037 lafayette we're on klcj 1041 in lake charles streaming around the world 1037 thegamecom 1041 thegamecom and if you're in the acadiana area we're also simulcast on television on stadium 32.3 and 133 on lus fiber we are the home for the lsu tigers and the World Series champion Houston Astros, and with that in mind, let's get a preview of this season from the busiest man in the books. Uh, the grind is um, is underway, and we are thrilled uh, from the Houston Chronicle. Our good friend, Mister Chandler Rome, Chandler. How many years now has this been for you covering this Astros team?
4: Yeah, this will be uh, this will be season six. So uh, just raring to go, uh, ready for opening day tomorrow.
1: I think there's a direct correlation. You came on board, and the Astros all of a sudden became the best team in baseball. I, I mean, as your agent, I think I think you're due for a raise.
4: Uh, from your from your lips to God's ears. Let's do it.
1: <laughs> hey, um, you got to observe, and in Major League Baseball in spring training, um, the pitch clock shaved twenty six minutes off of spring games.
4: What do you think? I think it's I think it's great. I think it's a game changer for the sport. Um, I, I don't I don't think you can really appreciate it until you attend the game in person um, because just the the dead time is just gone and you know oh. some people are kind of worried that it's too fast it, you know, look, the first I think week of spring training it did take a little bit of getting used to just because I was so used to you know no clock and no timer but I mean, once you get about a week into it, it is it is pretty noticeable how quicker the pace is. Um, it just eliminates a lot of the stuff that that, that drags games on. You know, no longer do you see guys just standing outside the batter's box, like readjusting their batting gloves, taking their he- their helmets off. Like yeah. you don't see pitchers stepping off eight or nine times. Like it's, it's – they get it. the ball and they go. And uh, I think the players – after there was some reticence when spring training started, uh, I think the players really like it. I mean, I talked to a ton of you know Astros players. They have their complaints. They have their overall just kind of they adjust this or this. But I can't find anyone that's that is so against it. They're like, get rid of the pitch clock. Uh, I think they all like the, the 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 thing itself. They just maybe have a couple things they do different. But I'm telling you, it is. It's a whole different pace, and it's a whole different kind of sport you're watching with this pitch clock.
1: And I think that's why the pitch clock's the biggest thing to ever happen to baseball. And I think it's going to draw more and more fans to it. Um, tell me about this Astros ball club. I know Verlander's no longer there. Uh, you're going to be without Altuve for a little bit. Uh, but everybody's still picking the Astros to, to win their division and to be one of those contending teams. You see them every day. Tell me about this club, and who's the new cat? Who's the new kid on the block, so to speak, that, uh, that's going to surprise some people?
4: Yeah, I think the club you see tomorrow night opening against the White Sox is certainly not the club that you're going to see in mid-June, maybe early July, um, you know this team's going to be without Michael Brantley and Jose Altuve to start the season. Uh, mm-hmm. They hope Michael Brantley will be back uh, maybe late April, early May. Jose Altuve's a ways away. He, he's probably going to, you know, if they get him back by early to mid-June, I think that'd be a win for them. So it's going to it may be a little bit of a grind these first two months. They're still really, really good. They still are really talented, but... Um, those are just two guys you can't really replace. And then on top of that, you know, I, I know this team has an abundance of pitching depth, but you're you're not going to get better when you lose the unanimous American League Cy Young winner. You, you're mm-hmm. just not. So um, they've got the bodies to to kind of absorb it. You know, Fomber Valdez is going to kind of assume that ace title, the front of the rotation pitcher. Um, they went out and signed Jose Abreu this off season and. Um, he'll certainly provide some thump in that lineup that is sorely needed without Altuve and Brantley in there. And you know, without Altuve, I, I think you'll see a good bit of David Hensley. You'll see some Mauricio Dubon, kind of a timeshare there um, at second base. But you know, I think this team's going to have to rely on some of its uh, some of its stars to really carry a lot of weight. Kyle Tucker cannot start slow this season. Alex Bregman, who's had some slow starts in his career, he cannot start slow because this team's already down two of its best hitters. If Bregman and Tucker kind of scuffle to start the year, this could be a a, a tough slog for them. But, you know, they've certainly got the players to overcome these early injuries, but it's not going to be easy.
1: Seattle seems to be a team that's on the rise. Uh, They they don't seem to be going anywhere. what's What's the big competition inside their own division, in your opinion?
4: Yeah, I think it's the Mariners. Um, you know, they'll have a full year of Luis Castillo, who the Astros really didn't see at all last year. He did pitch in that playoff series, but um, he got there so late that the Astros had played the Mariners. They had played all their games against the Mariners by the time Luis Castillo got there. Uh, they went out and made some shrewd offseason acquisitions. Got Colton Wong from the Brewers. Got Teoscar Hernandez, a former Astro, from the Blue Jays, and. I mean, they have Julio Rodriguez, who's probably one of the game's five or six best young players, and they're just a really solid club up and down. I mean, they gave the Astros probably the best series of anyone. I know it was a sweep, but they gave the, the Astros the best series of anyone in the playoffs last year. That, that, that series could have very easily gone another way. But, um, you know, you always want to be wary of the Angels. They've got the two best players in the sport and Trout and Otani. You know, Anthony Rendon is going to be needing to bounce back. I mean, they're always, if those three guys are clicking, they're dangerous. And then, you know, the Rangers went out and spent a boatload of money this offseason. Yeah. They have Jacob deGrom, yeah. um, a, a rotation up there that certainly is a lot more formidable maybe than it has been in the past. They've got Corey Seager, they've got Marcus Simeon. So, on paper, it's a stronger division. And like I kind of mentioned earlier, the Astros are not going to be full strength at least for right. the first month of this season. So if they don't get off to a good start if they if they kind of are treading water coming out uh, of april you know this is a division that there are teams that are equipped to to challenge them you know i think the ashers are still the best team on paper but uh, mm-hmm. this is certainly a division this is not going to be a cakewalk for them <laughs>
1: You mentioned Degrom with Texas. What what an opening day! Aaron Nola for Philly against Degrom with Texas baseball. uh, uh, There's so many great great players. And you mentioned Houston. Fred Valdez will open up tomorrow. (sighs) Javier will be on Friday, and Jose or how do you say it? is going to be on sack. I'm sorry, I like just got a brain freeze. He's on Saturday, so that's a pretty that's a pretty viable. Three headed pitching staff, right there in and of itself.
4: Yeah, and then the the Astros are hoping they can get Lance McCullers Jr. back at some point in June. You know, he's got a he's got a forearm strain, so he's not even pitching off a mound right now. So he's probably a little ways out. But I mean, look, there is no um, there's no established ace on this staff, and that's something that the Astros have had for a while. They've had Verlander Mm -hmm. uh, for the longest time. You know, they had Garrett Cole here. They had Dallas Keuchel. Uh, you know, Framber Valdez is probably getting there. He's probably, you know, right on that edge of really being an ace. But, you know, he's probably a number two starter. And that's probably what this rotation is, to be honest with you. A lot of number two and number three starters. And, look, those guys are, those guys can win. You know, they can go out there and give you All a right. chance to win. You just maybe don't have the comfort and you don't have just the assurance that sending a guy out there like Verlander or Cole or Granke or someone like that gives you.
1: With Altuve out, David Hensley seems to be the guy that's going to take his place. Tell me a little bit about him. How do you like his game?
4: Yeah, so it's kind of a it's kind of a contrast in just everything. Uh David Hensley's 6 foot 6. Jose Jeez. Altuve is not 6 foot 6, so it's a little <laughs> bit of a it's a little bit of a change of eyesight to go from a 5-6 second baseman to a 6-6 six, six second baseman, but um I think this is a big opportunity for him. He's a guy that went to San Diego State. Uh, was not a is not a high round draft pick at all, but you know he 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 just does everything well. He doesn't have a lot of plus tools, but he swings at strikes. He does he doesn't swing at balls. His plate discipline is very very good. He's a good contact hitter. He makes the plays he has to. But you know I think the big thing with him is he's only taken 34 major league plate appearances. This is a, this is still a rookie in every sense of the word, and it's going to be a quick adjustment for him. You know I, I think. You need not look any further than last World Series game four and game five. David Hensley started those games as, rookie, as a rookie DH. That should show you the confidence that Dusty Baker has in him, and that should show you kind of that no stage is going to be too big for him. But yeah. still, this is you know this is something. Baseball is a sample size sport, and you don't want to be overreacting to thirty four plate appearances that he took last year. <laughs> so, I think he'll get a majority of the run. But Mauricio Dubon, more of a veteran guy, he's a better defender than. David Hensley, but uh, Hensley provides a lot more offensive upside. So it'll be on Dusty to really mix and match, kind of see what days does he need his best defensive lineup out there, what days does he need his most offensive lineup out there. So uh, I don't think one of these guys is going to be the everyday second baseman. I think Dusty's going to do a lot of mixing and matching. There's going to be maybe some different lineups a lot okay. of time
1: okay chandler rome the the 162 game marathon's about to begin i'm always curious you travel so much so when the season's over you world series champions you you finally put that computer away you don't have to write a story what do you do during your time on do you you don't travel do you You just stay at your house and just chill what do you do well well, the one thing about the travel that you do is you do
4: accrue all these points those hotel points and miles and you got to use them some way so yeah i i I take a couple trips just in the off season you know you can try i can travel with pretty much for free just given all the points and miles i get in the season so um there definitely is some downtime there's catching up on sleep there's catching up in general, just being home more, but yeah, Yeah. I definitely take some trips, definitely use those uh, points and miles to my advantage.
1: Wow. Well, maybe those uh, 26 minutes that are shaved off of games make those deadlines a little bit easier not so panicked uh, to get to, but hey, um, year number six, man, keep it rolling and uh, good luck. I enjoy every minute of it. It'll be the White Sox and the Astros at Minute Maid Park to get it all started, man. Thanks for the preview. Always great catching up with you. All right. Thanks, jordy All uh, right. You take care. Chandler Rome covering the Astros for the Houston Chronicle. That's a long, that is a grind and a half, man. A grind and a half. All right. um It is now 14 minutes after the hour. We'll take a timeout. When we return, Mike Huganin will do the men's final four. Uh, I'll tell you what, we're going to do the women's final four and the men's final four in that order when we return next.
0: This is the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros.
1: Take time to celebrate literature and its impact on Acadiana's culture with the seventh annual Books Along the Tesh Festival this Friday through Sunday in New Iberia. There'll be writing workshops. Readers Theater, music, Boré lessons, and tournaments, bus and boat tours, a 5K run, and food, food, and more food. It's the Books Along the Tesh Festival this weekend in New Iberia. For ticket information and more info, visit Books Along the Tesh Literary That's Books Along the Tesh Literary Festival, all one word.com
0: uh-oh do you know what day it is Huh? anybody it's time for Jordy to break down the biggest storylines in college athletics with Mike Huguenin of on3.com Mike 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 what day is it Mike here is hump day with Huguenin Woo-hoo! on the game 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles southwest Louisiana's sports station well,
1: Michael, there are eight teams left that uh, that are playing college basketball, four on the women's side and four on the men's side. And, boy, it's been an unusual run in both tournaments. Um, how are you doing, man? How are you holding up?
5: Doing well. Uh, it is weird. Not, well, I watched the NIT, uh, so I got my basketball fixed. But now um, Saturday's games I find intriguing, even though I don't think a lot of folks care about FAU San Diego State. Yeah. But um, San Diego State has been especially impressive with its defense. Um, what they did against Alabama was eye-opening. Uh, I think they're too physical for FAU. And, and the UConn-Miami game, I think, has a ton of intrigue. Uh, Miami is – their offense is it's something really to behold um, on, on on a couple levels, and UConn is destroying people. So yeah. – um, it, it'll be interesting. I think Nega is the best coach left. Um, right. UConn, Danny Hurley has done a nice job rebuilding that program, getting it back to where it thinks it should be on the national scope. Uh, that, that's a team that has just a ton of weapons. And Miami really doesn't have a ton of weapons, but their weapons are pretty high caliber. And I'm I don't mean me. that in a gun way. I just mean that Wong can play. Nigel Pack can play and Jordan Miller. I mean, the dude didn't miss a shot in the Elite Eight. Um, And No Chad O'Meara is sort of a one man show, excuse me, in the interior, and it's been enough.
1: (laughs) We'll delve into these games and get a little bit more to the nitty gritty of them and get your uh, your predictions of them. Have you watched the women's tournament?
5: No. I've seen some highlights of Caitlin Clark. Um, she's fun to watch because she is an old school gunner, man. Um, plays with a swagger, making some money off NIL, which is cool. Uh, but I haven't watched, uh, watched a woman's game now.
1: You know, we, we, we've said this before you and I've talked about this. You, You thought that, uh, at one point in time, Pat summit could probably coach in the men's college basketball game and be very, very successful. I I'm arguing, uh, along the same stead that I think Kim Mulkey could do the same uh with her demeanor, her attitude. I think she could coach on the men's side.
5: Yeah, I think most of the good most of the high level women's coaches could do that. I, I think Dawn Staley is another one. Um yeah. I, I think she interacts well with her players. I I think she expects a ton and so does Mulkey. Um w- w- there are a lot of really high level women's coaches. Um I, I think Obviously, they get overlooked a lot because no one pays that much attention to women's basketball. Though the ratings for this tournament have been really good, yeah. Um, but yeah, I think that coaches can coach. You know, I've said this for a long time about there's great coaches in college football in Division two and FCS, and just like there are great coaches in women's basketball, um, nobody pays attention, but they can certainly coach men if they wanted.
1: All right, Mike uh, Mike Huguenin of uh, On3.com. So um, we're kind of interested in, in uh, this part of the world. LSU will be taking on uh, Virginia Tech in the first game, and then the nightcap will be the best team, South Carolina. They've proven that all year long against the best player in Caitlin Clark. So we'll see what happens there in Dallas. Let's go to Houston, uh, Saturday, game one. I mean – A five seed San Diego State versus a nine seed Florida Atlantic. They just keep on, the Owls just keep on winning and they keep on winning and they keep on winning, much to the chagrin of so many people. But it is a contrasting style. A San Diego State really good defensively, Florida Atlantic good offensively they play some defense too and uh it it just goes you got a long long time assistant coach who's now a head coach for san diego state and a guy that uh that got a gig and thought he was making the biggest mistake of his life thought he was going to be a a a career ender and now here he is at florida atlantic in the final four
5: yeah brian dutcher san diego state's been to three final fours before all of an assistant in michigan um two with the Fab 5 and 1 in 89 uh when they won it all. Um he yeah. he has got, he gets his team to play hardcore defense. Um they ran I mean they're big guys. It's when they played Alabama, my assumption was Alabama's like, "Oh my god, how many more 6'8 240 pounders do you guys have?" Wow. And they are 6'8 240 pound veteran experienced players. And we talked last week, they're not afraid to knock you down and put you on the floor. I didn't think they had enough offense to beat Alabama, but they did. Um, And then they they do, really. They play lockdown defense. It's frankly quite impressive. They did a phenomenal job against Creighton. Creighton's a really good three-point shooting team, not against San Diego State. Alabama makes a ton of threes, not against San Diego State. FAU has hit a ton of threes in the tournament. That's going to be the key. Can Can they get those off? against San Diego State, and will they make them? Um, San Diego State does a great job of running you off the three-point line, funneling you into the middle where their seemingly unending stream of 6'8", 240-pound guys reside. They block shots. They knock you around. They rebound well. Um, the, you know, FAU, the, the Vlad Golden kid, who was a transfer from Virginia Tech, coincidentally enough, Had a phenomenal game in the Elite Eight. He tore up Kansas State. I do not think he will tear up uh, San Diego State. So, um, I'm sorry, yeah, the the K-State big men aren't physical. The San Diego State big men are. I think San Diego State wins it. But FAU is a phenomenal story. Dusty May. um, (laughs) FAU had never won a NCAA tournament game. They'd been once before in their entire basketball life. And here they are in the Final Four. And if you remember the first round, they were lucky to beat Memphis. But that's yep. what the tournament is, survive that's in advance. Right. They did just enough to beat Memphis. They weren't all that impressive for the whole game against Fairleigh Dickinson, but did enough.
4: Yep.
5: And then they beat Tennessee. Uh, and then they win the uh, Elite Eight game. So it, it, they are Kansas a State. very impressive team. Um, but I think they're
1: I I think they're Cinderella run ins. It's it's all about matchups and and all that. San Diego State plays it slow. They rely on their defense. Uh, FAU wants to play fast. They they're among the the nation's leaders in bench minutes. Nobody averages over twenty six minutes for a game. Nine players average at least fifteen minutes. That allows them to keep their offensive tempo and defensive intensity pretty high throughout the game. So. If San Diego State makes it a half-court game, I agree with you. Their bulk and their strength and their physicality will take over. If FAU can get it up and down the floor, they got a punctures chance. I think.
5: No question. Again, I mean, and if you watch, you know, what's amazing is Conference USA, which FAU won the league and then won the tournament title. The two teams in the final in the NIT Conference USA teams. The CBI tournament won by Charlotte, a Conference USA team. Yep. Um, Conference USA is 16-1 and in the postseason with the only wow. loss by Rice in the CBI. And the wow. sad thing about Conference USA, if you're a Conference USA fan, all these teams are leaving because they're all going to be in the AAC next year. But um, it, it's a, it was a very good league this year. Uh, FAU is tested. Uh, and you're right. I mean, they got... Like okay, which which guy hit that shot? Is that the guy that had the big? No, that's not the guy that had the big game last round. They have, they don't rely on one person.
2: They have mm-hmm. a bunch
5: of guys who can put the ball in the basket. Um, it, it, yeah, I, th- I think the game is fascinating on a lot of levels, and I, you know, I like the idea that Santiago State is playing FAU for a spot in the national title that's game. Unbelievable. That, that to me is cool, man. So it I, is. I'm eagerly a- uh, awaiting that
1: game. You, you took uh, one of my questions and just answered it is is it is it good to have this type of a final four you don't have the um the Kentuckys you don't have the Kansases you don't have those teams in it that seem to be in it all the time It's kind of a new blood. I like it for a year. We'll see what the television ratings do that think but i I think
5: I know you're a hardcore college basketball fan I am as well. The casual fan I don't think is going to – I think casual fans love the upsets in the first and maybe second round. But yeah. then when you, get to the, when you get to the Sweet 16 and the Elite Eight, you're like, wait a second, who are these guys? I don't, I don't want to watch this game. And I'm afraid that's what's going to happen in the semifinal. Um, and, and there's a reason FAU and FDU was the only game on true TV. In right. the second round,
1: because right. FAU All right, let's FC
5: take a quick do, time but, out
1: here. We'll get yeah. to the second semifinal between fourth-seeded UConn and fifth-seeded Miami. Jim Laranega coaching his second team in the final four. George Mason back in 2006. How about that? And now Miami in 2023. Mike on and On3.com after this timeout.
0: This is the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros.
1: The game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles is your home for the McNeese Coaches Show presented by Mr. Bill's Seafood Express, Southwest Beverage Company, line a bed out of Westlake in the Southwest Louisiana Law Center. Tune in tonight. Starting at six, as host Jim Gazzolo will be talking with McNeese Senior Associate Athletic Director Todd Butler. You can hear it all right here on the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the McNeese Coaches Show. <laughs>
0: Every day is a Chamber of Commerce kind of day when you're listening to the Jordy Holberg Show. This is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Your hall for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros in Southwest Louisiana
1: five minutes after the hour. We're back and better than ever with our good friend Mike Hugannon from On3.com. He picked San Diego State to win semifinal number one in what should be a pretty good game against Florida Atlantic. Best game of the day should be UConn, a four seed versus Miami, a five seed. UConn won its first four games in the tournament by 15 points or more and with um, (laughs) with their sweet 16 beatdown of Arkansas and their Elite Eight demolished of Gonzaga. They're the first team since Kentucky in 1996 to win those two games by 20 points or more. So, Mike Huguenin, how is UConn a number four seed? They lost
5: uh, a bunch of games uh, in the middle of the season. They started out a house of fire, looked like, oh my God, this team's going to win the national title, then hit a big lull, and then now they're starting to play extremely well. Well, they are playing extremely well again. You look at their lineup, extremely well balanced. They got outside shooters. They got big guy in the middle. They got the seven footer off the bench who's pretty mobile. Um, mm-hmm. they don't have an elite point guard, um, but they have basically everything else. They got guys off the bench who can fill it up. They play pretty solid defense. Um, they can rebound well. They hit the offensive boards well. Um, it, it's it, it really is a really good all around team. And yeah, I think if you look, you can make a case now. Uh, that team should have been seeded uh, maybe at least a three. But, again, at, at the time, it, it didn't seem outlandish. They, they lost the Big East final because Marquette, they, they couldn't stop Marquette. And then Marquette right. loses in the second round. So, um, UConn has a lot going forward. Hurley has become a pretty good coach, I think. I think he's better than his brother. Though maybe not as good as his dad. But yeah. it, it, this is still a, a pretty, pretty darn good
1: team. He's got quite the story. I mean, he was a college basketball player younger than his brother Bobby, who was a great player at Duke. Of course, the dad, one of the, if not the greatest high school basketball coach ever. Um, but he he went through bits of depression. He, I mean, I read where he was. He wanted to give up the game completely um, and uh, got back into high school. Uh, somebody asked him to hey, look, the coach is sick. Can you come and help us coach a little bit? And he did, and he found his love, and the rest is kind of history. He's become a good coach, and, I mean, he's he's a fiery guy, isn't he?
5: Yeah, and I think players, you know, you're not signing with UConn and getting there and going, oh, my goodness, I can't believe Coach Hurley is this fiery. You know who he, he is, who he right. is. He wears his emotions on the sleeve. His players like him, and I think one reason they like him is, they're pretty free-flowing on offense. They get up and down the court. A lot of guys like to play in that style. And then you can contrast that with, you know, Miami is another extremely free-flowing offensive team, and that's mm-hmm. why you'd play for Larinaga. But, you know, and then you look at San Diego State, Dutcher gets his guys to play hardcore defense. But Hurley is a guy who wears his emotions on his sleeve, and he is extremely fiery, and he has been known to yell at the refs.
1: Yeah. Um and then you have Laranaga, who's who's helping all us old guys. He's what 72, 73 years old. Uh took George Mason to the tournament. What a surprise that was. We and now this Miami team, they're undersized, but they don't play small. They I mean they're uh Omi is only 6-7, but man, he rebounds like he's a 7-5 guy and they got guards that can play. Yeah, it's a
5: it's again, it's a free-flowing offensive team. Uh, and Laronega, people forget he was an assistant at Virginia when they had Ralph Sampson. That's how long he's been around. Um, but yeah, Omir is an interesting story. He was the Player of the Year last year at Arkansas State in the Sun Belt. Uh, then he transfers to Miami. He's the first Nicaraguan to ever have a Division One scholarship in any sport. and He plays basketball. Um, he, you're right. He's he, he is six seven and he is fearless. So I think going against a is going to be extremely interesting. But you're right, Miami's off. Miami's guards, they are given a lot of responsibility but also a lot of freedom, and they do a nice job with that freedom. Um, Isaiah Wong is really good. Uh, yes, Nigel is. Pack can hit the three. I think he's a little bit overrated. Uh, Jordan Miller is the guy that's sort of the secret weapon. Um, again, he did not miss his shot yeah. from the field or from the line in, in the Elite Eight game when they beat Texas. And Texas plays good defense. And they, the, the announcers, you know, Nance, Grant Hill, and Raftery kept harping on, Miami's not shooting any threes. Well, they didn't need to because they were hitting everything they threw up from two-point range. Right, right, so they right. got the shots they wanted, and they made them. And that's Slarenaga's gift. He is a really good coach of offensive basketball. And you mentioned that George Mason team. They got to the Final Four, and I think their big guy was 6'7 or 6'8, that Jai You're Lewis exactly guy. exactly right. Um, yeah. And that was another team that got its shots when they wanted to. Yeah. And Miami gets its shots when it wants to. Miami's defense, though, is not that good, and I think that's why UConn wins, because I think UConn's going to put up a ton of points.
1: Okay. Um, I've always said good defenses, that's great. But if you've got teams that can create off the dribble yes. uh, and make things happen that way, and that's what Miami has. Miami has four guys that can get take you off the dribble and, and get shots or create other shots. That's hard for even the sport's best defenses to slow down and stop. And I, I got a think, tri- though, I that UConn one for you.
5: has players that can get their own shots. I think the that's difference right. is they don't have a distributor – you know, Wong is not a pure point, but he's a good passer. Uh, UConn's lack of a pure point guard might show up, but I also think they have so many weapons that I think UConn's defense is good enough. I don't think Miami's defense is
1: gotcha so that that could make for quite an interesting final yeah. if if san Diego state and yukon both advance might might be the most artistic game but it'll be a struggle uh mike hugan and on3.com i got a trivia for you you mentioned Jim Larinaga at Virginia, as an assistant coach with Ralph Sampson, LSU played Virginia in the last, thank God, very last consolation game in NCAA tournament Ah. history in Philadelphia.
5: That was the, yeah, that was the 81, I guess, game?
1: Yep. Indiana beat a North couple Carolina hours after to win
5: the Reagan national had
0: championship. And yeah, Yeah, they, they weren't Virginia sure they were going to actually the,
5: play that game, but yeah, thank goodness they got rid of the of the um, consolation yeah. games. People forget they used to play consolation games in the regionals as well because the very first game i ever went to i was seven years old in 1969 and saw calvin murphy's last college game and that was in the east regional semi east regional consolation game in columbia south carolina
1: Wow. I did not know that, but we definitely played. And you talk about uh, Dale Brown, the, one of the great motivators of all time. Even he couldn't get motivated for that. You
5: either. can't. Right. You
1: can't. We you can Your dream is shattered. Home.
5: Right. You, you lost to the final four. You don't want to play another game. No.
1: Yeah. No so so, we, so we, we came back to Baton Rouge 0-2. <laughs> just which would
5: and that. Yeah. That that's, makes it even worse in a way not only did we go to the final four and lose we went to the final four and lost
1: twice yes so but yeah that yes. th- th- and it was a close th- game they beat they beat us it was a one possession game and they beat us and it was like oh my god this is get us out of there get us yeah. out of get us out of here please please um anything earth shattering happening in college football uh, that uh, that you've read about or people are writing about with all the spring practices anything new
5: no, I think there's going to be a heck of a lot more people who enter the portal again in, in late April and early May. And then, the yeah. the you know, there was a congressional hearing today on NIL, and not surprisingly, nothing happened. Nothing of All right.
1: was a, All Right. So, I mean, but, yeah. the biggest job for a coach now is – um, it used to be you know recruiting and uh, keeping kids eligible now it's about roster construction because you're it's it's constantly
0: evolving
5: right and the, the, the idea that the transfer portal I, I I like the transfer portal but it does make it harder on coaches and that's why you see a ton of you know we're, we're here in late march and th- these are important recruiting weekends in late march for football that's yeah. because guys want to get they're placing a school's class locked in. And if you're a college coach, the idea that, okay, this kid had a really bad spring practice, he's not going to play here, let's hope he leaves. And, oh, by the way, Joey Jojo, the, the hot-level recruit, well, what, what, you, know, you, you, you claim that the depth chart's a little crowded, wait a few more weeks, and when somebody enters the transfer portal, you'll see that it's not crowded. So you're yeah. right, roster management is ever-evolving for college coaches.
1: It used to be where, I mean, coaches to build up their roster, they would go the junior college route and get guys that way. Now, I mean that's almost unheard of now, right? Uh, and now, and now you're just getting players off of other schools who, who for whatever reason or another, are not happy where they are, and uh, they just get ready to play again. So it's just, man, how do you how do you manage recruiting, getting the top prospects? How do you get the best in the transfer portal? Man, that's a full time gig.
5: It is, and that's why coaches are making six million, seven million bucks a year because it, it is a heck of a lot more difficult than it
1: was even six or seven years ago on question yeah, yeah on three.com um clemson Dabo sweeney are they back he says things are better than ever do you think they're back or do you think they're um you know doing like a lot of teams do they have their run and all of a sudden they dip and they t- continue to dip before they build back up again
5: this is going to be one of the more interesting teams because they have a new offensive coordinator for the first time that did not was not promoted from within. They went out mm-hmm. and got Garrett Riley um because I think Davo realized my offense my offensive staff has grown stale. I need some new blood in here, so I think that Clemson top to bottom is the most talented team in the a c c They do not have anything close to the best quarterback though. Um, I think North Carolina's got the best, and I think Florida State's got the second best. Um, so it's in the, I think the, the third best is Brennan Armstrong at NC State, a, an intra-conference transfer. So I think Clemson, Dabo might think they're back, but, and, and then maybe they win the ACC because, again, their roster is really good. That is not anything close to a national title team. No way.
1: Mike Hugan at on3.com. Uh, if you're a Mississippi State Bulldog fan, how, how different are things going to look now that Zach Arnett, 36-year-old, first-time head coach, has to replace the, the late Mike Leach? Um, how different is it going to be in Starkville?
5: I think it's going to be vastly different. I think, you know, Leach's personality was such that he, he, he was just a great I think he took a lot of pressure off his teammate, off the players rather, because all the attention was focused on him. Well, the attention is going to be focused on Arnett in a way because you know who is this guy who got to replace Mike Leach? But the offense will not be the same, um, and I think Leach's offense made them difficult to prepare for. Uh, to an extent, you know, I guess the famous quote about Leach's offense was Jimmy Lake, the Washington, the old Washington defensive coordinator. They run the same seven plays every single season. You just got to be prepared. So uh, the, there's going to be changes offensively, but I, I think that Mississippi State, if I'm a Mississippi State fan, I'm a little bit worried about what my offense is going to look like without Mike Leach.
1: Yeah. But when you think about it, Leach was 19 and 17 in his three seasons at Mississippi State. So, Arnett, more of a defensive-minded coach. Maybe things look differently. Maybe they win more. I don't know. Yeah, that's that's a legit point, but I would argue
5: that they were 19 and 17. I guess they were 19 and 17 because of Leach's offense, and now we're going to find out if I'm right. Um, yeah. Because with Leach gone, yeah, there's a lot more, <laughs> a heck of a lot of pressure on Zach Arnett now. So, this is going to be... Uh, interesting season on a lot of levels at Mississippi State.
0: Yeah, I'm just
1: curious, if you were an NFL executive and the top four quarterbacks that are out there in Bryce Young from Alabama, um, C.J. Stroud at Ohio State, then you've got two more SEC quarterbacks, Will Levis from Kentucky, Anthony Richardson from Florida. You got the number one pick. Which of those four quarterbacks do you take?
5: I'm taking Will Anderson. Um, I'm not convinced... Any of these four quarterbacks is going to be a okay. franchise quarterback. Um, I think Stroud has a chance to be really good. I worry about Rice Young's size because the guy is small. He is small, um, and yep. he's not particularly. He does not. He's not Kyler Murray esque in his mobility. Uh, Will Levis, I don't think he's that good, and Anthony Richardson. He's at least two years away from being a starter, I think. So I think all those guys come with a ton of questions. But I think right now, if I had to take one of those four, I would take Stroud because I think he is most NFL-ready, and I think he has an upside. Uh, I'm really worried about – I would be really worried about Bryce Young's lack of size.
1: Oh, by the way, I can't let you go. You've got San Diego State versus UConn in the national championship game Monday night before CBS heads to Augusta and the Masters. Who cuts down the Nets?
5: I think it's going to be UConn. I think, like you said before, how is this team seated fourth? They look quite good right now. But they're going to get tested because Miami's got the big-time offense and San Diego State's got the big-time defense. But, it, And I'll be honest, I think FAU would be by far the easiest game for UConn. Um, but I think it will be UConn, San Diego State, and I think UConn wins Danny Hurley's first and UConn's fifth national
1: Mike Huguenin on 3.com. Enjoy the weekend, buddy. Thank oh, you yes. so much. Thank you, sir. I'll talk to you next week. You got it, Mike Huguenin. We'll be back to wrap things up next.
0: This is the Jordy Holdberg Show on the game 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros
1: and we're brought to each and every day by ShopRite Tobacco Plus discount outlets over 60 in southern and central Louisiana. You know what I say every day and it's so true. If you can't shop right at ShopRite, you just can't shop right at all. They've got everything. By Ducks, cleaning America's air from the inside out. By Eon, the premier touchless robotic laser body contouring device that helps you lose those unwanted inches in your waist along with permanent fat reduction. Eon in Lafayette, Baton Rouge and Mandeville by the Louisiana lottery. So many games, but you can't win until you start playing DC's little capital Exxon tucked away in the corner their true soul food deli. So many good things, but the best cheeseburger ever. And by Cajun chef, do yourself a flavor, turn up the taste with Cajun chef hot sauce.
0: He's been a star on the hardwood and in the broadcast chair. So, what's the secret to the blonde bomber's success? Easy. Taking time to work on his tan. You look malicious. Back to more of the tanned and talented Jordy Holtberg on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station.
1: Right, time to wrap this thing up. Special thanks to our guest, Chris Dotson on the Pelicans. Leah Van with a preview of LSU versus Tennessee. Chandler Rome. Astros opening day is tomorrow. Mike Huguenin, the, the men's final four. He hadn't watched the women's final four, but, uh, but we'll be there. Uh, Raymond Parsh and RP3 and company will be heading to Dallas to cover that. He'll be doing his shows there, so that's exciting and terrific. Tomorrow, uh, more in-depth on LSU and Tennessee. Uh, we'll Head out to Dallas for the women's final four um, and whatever else comes down the pipeline. We'll have it all for you. It's an exciting uh, end of the week. Looking forward to Friday at 6 o'clock. Yes, indeed. Um, If today is your birthday, March 29th, happy birthday from all of us to all of you. Some old timers, but boy, back in the day they were spectacular. How about uh, the pitching legend of the Detroit? Tigers, Denny McLean once won 30 games in a season, um, won a world series over my St. Louis Cardinals and Bob Gibson. But Denny McLean is 79 years old. Oh, the glide Clyde, the glide, Walt Frazier, of the New York Knicks is 78 years old today. Didn't realize he was born in New Orleans played for the, um, Houston, uh, Texas Longhorns won the uh, Heisman Trophy when played for the Houston Oilers. Happy 68th birthday to Earl Campbell, three legendary figures baseball basketball football wow happy birthday to them happy birthday to you james mesh thank you thanks to all of you for listening in thanks to our partners that make it possible each and every day come on back tomorrow same time two to four same great stations 1037 lafayette 104 one lake charles until then i'm jordy Helper. stay thirsty my friends stay healthy please let's be kind to one another and be happy uh crunch time with miguez and mesh is next so long everybody